Uh, welcome to South Coast Christian. I'm Pastor Tom, lead pastor here at, uh, at the church. I don't know why they asked me to be lead pastor, but I am. And so I'm here today. We are in a new series. We just started on Easter. This is our second week of our new series. It's called Body Parts. Yeah. Now, if you're a guest and you're thinking, oh my gosh, what kind of, we don't have any body parts hidden around the worship center here or in any of the storage areas or nothing like that. So don't freak out. We're not, we're not crazy or anything like that. But the reason we titled the series Body Parts, because the text of our series is found in Romans chapter 12. The Apostle Paul writes about our body and he compares the body of Christ to our physical body. He makes a comparison. The body of Christ, when he was resurrected, the body of Christ was formed. And the body of Christ's believers, those who choose to follow Jesus, make up the body of Christ. And the Apostle Paul compares it to our physical body. That There are many different parts to the body, but it takes all the different parts to make the body function well. It's all those individual parts working together in harmony and in unity together that makes, the, makes us function. One part gets out of sync, and guess what? Things don't function well. You know what I'm talking about? Come on. Anybody had any physical ailments recently? Yeah. You know, you ever had something in your back, like a muscle spasm? or a mu- Man, you know what I'm talking about. One muscle can, man, affect the rest of your body. I mean, all of a sudden you have a muscle, a pain in the back, and it's one muscle. Now your shoulder aches, and, and all of a sudden it hits a nerve, and now you've got a headache, or you have a lower back spasm, and all of a sudden you can't use your legs right. And one part of your body out of sync, all of a sudden it affects the rest of your body. And you start to wonder, why do I feel? And you know what? Sometimes even in our own bodies is one of the reasons why we should take care of our physical body. Both physically and spiritually, we should take care of our body because our body is important to God because your body is a part of the body of Christ. Get it? Body parts. Okay, everybody got it. Body parts. When all the parts work together in unity and harmony, it functions at a very high capacity. But when one part gets out of sync, it doesn't function well. Jesus sees you as a very important part of his body. I'm going to say that again because I need that to get into your spirit today. In fact, we're going to pray right now. Will you just, I just felt to just pray. Lord Jesus, I ask in your name that your word will penetrate our hearts, that you will break down walls that we have put up for years, that you will break down things in our mind where we have created these spaces, Lord God, that we go to escape to. But God, I pray we don't escape this morning. I pray that, Lord God, our mind and our heart, Lord God, would be alive in you. And when your word hits us, the power of your spirit, Lord God, is going to make your word come alive in our heart and our mind. And Lord God, we will be changed. In Jesus' name, amen. Jesus sees you as an important part of his body. He created you to be a part of his body, the body of Christ. All of us together as followers, as believers, make up the body of Christ. James writes these words. He says, every good and perfect gift comes from above, from our heavenly Father. Every good and perfect gift comes from above. Peter writes in 1 Peter 4.10, God has given each of you a gift from the great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve myself. 
Oh, mine's wrong. It says, use them well to serve what? One another. We all have been given gifts so that we can serve within the body of Christ. A gift is a unique ability that God has given you to do his work, the work that he's called you to do. Every follower of Christ, I don't care who you are in this building, every follower of Christ has been given a gift. Every one of you. None of you have been left out. You can't say, oh, man, I don't. No, no, no. God has given every one of us a gift. Every follower of Christ. In fact, some of you have more than one gift. And I was reminded this morning as I was out there singing my heart out, someone reminded me this morning that my gift was not singing. So I only have one or two gifts, okay? Some of you I get jealous with because you have multiple gifts. I don't know, Brett, he has the gift of singing, he gets the gift of speaking, he likes to be for, I, where did that come from? I didn't have all these gifts, and, and some of you are going like, and see, one of the things, and Paul talks about, and we're going to get this in another message, I'm not going to do it today unless God leads me that way, but I don't think so, but Paul talks about, don't be jealous of other people's gifts. Own your gift. Take your gift and run with it and move forward. biblical principle we see this principle throughout the bible but one of the one of the great places that we see it is in the parable of the talents in matthew chapter 25 the master the master in this parable the master really is god but it's in this parable where jesus is talking telling this story you see jesus told and shared a lot of communicated a lot of things and stories and illustrations that's why never get mad at a pastor who's giving illustrations jesus did it all the time and he used illustrations to bring out truth. And in this illustration, this is Jesus talking about it. And he, he talks about a, a master who had three servants. One, he gave this, this servant five talents, another two talents, another one talent. What's a talent, Pastor Tom? A talent back in those days was a, was a, a portion of money, a certain amount of money. And so he gave one of his servants, because he was going away on a trip, he gave one of his servants five talents, another servant two talents, and another servant one. They don't all have equal gifts. And he says, I want you to use these talents, and when I come back, I will I'll see what you've done with them. And, and I'm like, if you don't know the story, I'm going to ruin the punchline right now. The, the one with the one talent was the wicked servant, okay? So if you haven't read it, I'm sorry, but that's, that's where it's at. The person with the one talent was the one who, had, who was considered the wicked servant. Why was he considered wicked? Ooh, you guys are smart out there. Because he hid his talent. He didn't use his talent. He wasted his talent. He was so afraid of his master that he went out and buried his talent in a hole, covered it up, and waited for his master to return. And then he unburied his talent, and he comes to, I know that you're a hard man, and I just wanted to bring this one talent back to you because I didn't want to lose it. And the master says, you wicked servant, away from me. You see, the whole point I want to bring about today, and this is what's interesting about this whole story about the parable of the talents, is the one that had the two, he went and invested it, he doubled it. And man, the master got, man, well done, that good and faithful servant. The one with the five talent, he went and invested it, he doubled his. And the master looked at the servant and said, well done, thy good and faithful servant. But the one with the one talent, who buried his talent, who didn't have, catch this, who didn't have the faith, instead of operating in faith, he operated in fear. Are you operating your life in fear right now? Stop it. 
God has nothing to do with fear. He has everything to do with faith. He operated in that just, that's, that's just, he operated in fear. And because he operated in fear, he took, and this just doesn't seem fair. When you read the Bible, you'll find, you'll soon discover there's things in the Bible that just don't seem fair. Because he took the one and only talent away from that servant and he gave it to the one who had ten. Why is the rich always get richer? Well, maybe it's because they were investing their money better. That just came out. I don't know. That's not in my notes. I'm sorry. <laughs> Lord, if that's not of you, just, I'm sorry. But I'm here to declare to you today, God has given you a talent. He has given you a gift. And he, he wants you to use it. He doesn't want you to go and bury that. In fact, what I've seen in my life, those who bury their talents, they lose their talent. But those who are willing to step out in faith, and they're willing to take their one talent and use it for his glory, all of a sudden God sees that and he says, man, you get it. You're operating in faith. I'm excited for what you're going to do. Here's another one. Do you get it? You guys, come on, time to get excited here, man, today, because it doesn't matter if you have one talent. If you want more talents, then guess what? Use that one talent in faith and watch what God will do in your life. Okay, I'm preaching too far. I got to get back to my message. As a part of this series, Body Parts, we want you to discover the gifts that God has given you and how you can use your gift effectively to serve others. Pastor Grant, and I already took it out of my pocket, Pastor Grant made up buttons. Thank you, Pastor Grant and Amanda. I know they were pounding buttons out. They made a bunch of them out. And they made up buttons because they want you to remember the talent that you have, the gift that you have today, that you can wear that, you can take that, you can pin it to your visor, you can pin it to your body, or to your shirt, not to your body. You can pin it because that would be kind of like, <laughs> if you're into that stuff, don't do that. Anyhow, you can pin it to yourself. And, and so it reminds you about what, about what your gift is all about. So we are wanting in this series to help you discover your gifts. The key text for this series is found in Romans chapter 12. Let me read it to you today. Romans chapter 12, starting in verse 6. In his grace, God has given us different gifts, given us. Those gifts aren't something that you have all of a sudden created. Who's from heaven above. He has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. That word doing is interesting. Doing requires action. You can't do something unless you're, act, you, you're active. It requires action. God wants you to take your gift and put it into action. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as, you have, as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, which is the topic that we're preaching about today, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, I love encouragers. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you the leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And you have a gift for showing kindness to others. Do it gladly. Today's body part, as I already shared, is about serving. The Greek word that the Apostle Paul uses in this scripture for serving can also be translated for ministry. The word service and ministry 
are interchangeable. If you're, serve, if, you're serve, if, you're, if you're in ministry, you're serving. If you're serving, you're ministering. Does that make sense? They're interchangeable words in the gospel. The Greek word diakonea, diakonea, the Greek word there refers to those who serve at the command of others. Diakonea or diakonos. You don't serve selfishly for your own gain, but you serve sacrificially for the benefit of others. And you're doing it, catch this, on the behalf of Jesus. Jesus states in Matthew 25, anytime we are serving, anytime we are feeding the hungry, we're clothing those who are naked, anytime we are doing any of those things, caring for the less fortunate, you are doing it unto Jesus. You're doing it unto Jesus. This is really important that when we serve, we understand that we're serving at the pleasure of the king and for his pleasure. When we choose to serve at the pleasure of others, guess what will happen? You will be disappointed. Anybody out there has ever been disappointed? Okay, mind. some of you guys are really good. You've never been disappointed. I've been disappointed. I'm serving someone. I don't hear a thank you. I don't think, thank you so much for, for doing this. And, or, or there's a spirit of entitlement. And all of a sudden, it feels like they're demanding from me, even though I'm trying to do it out of just my love. And Come on. You, and sometimes that affects your heart. And, and when I find myself, when I'm in that situation where all of a sudden I find that affecting my heart, what happens is I'm serving for the wrong purpose. I'm, I'm serving for others, which is a good thing, but ultimately my service should be for God. Because when I serve for Christ, it doesn't matter the response I get because I'm not serving just for them. Ultimately, I'm serving for Jesus. Does that make sense? We're serving for Jesus. I believe that all of us have some capacity in the area of serving. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 12, 11, never be lazy, but work hard and serve the Lord enthusiastically. What? That's in the Bible? Yeah, Romans chapter 12, verse 11. Never be lazy, but work hard and serve the, word, the Lord enthusiastically. Most of the time when we serve, we find fulfillment. When we serve, we find fulfillment because we take our, our eyes off of self and we put our eyes on Jesus. We put our eyes on others. But there will be times when you're serving that you feel like you get taken advantage of. Those are the times you keep your eyes on Jesus. It's not that we serve to get, but there is something powerful when you know that you're serving on the behalf of Jesus Christ. If you've ever, we used to live in the state of Washington up in the Seattle, which is only about an hour and a half from the Canadian border. And so we used to go up into Canada quite often. Canada is quite different than uh, the United States and beautiful country up there, a lot colder up there, but it's a gorgeous country. And so we would, from time to time, and we used to do tour business, so we'd have to go up into Canada a lot. And we would drive up into Canada. And one of the things that you would discover is how, they, how the government is titled, how the government actually titles their positions are very interesting. The titles of the position always starts with minister, the minister of finance, the minister of travel, the minister of defense, the minister of health, the minister of foreign affairs. They always start their, their, their title of their government official with minister. It's like they're serving their titles indicate their service. And in the Canadian Government Ministerial Guide, Pastor Tom, what are you, I'm just, I just like to do stuff, okay? In the, in the Canadian Government Ministerial Guide, listen to, I just took a little snippet, but listen to these words. 
Ministers of the crown. What is the crown? The king and the queen. It says, ministers of the crown, including ministers of the state, are chosen by the prime minister and constitute the ministry. They all serve at the pleasure of the prime minister. The crown is referring to a king or queen. Everyone serves on behalf of the king and queen, including the prime minister. But this is a wonderful illustration of followers of Jesus who make up the body of Christ. Because we serve at the pleasure of our king. His name is Jesus. Jesus Christ. That's who we serve. We serve for his pleasure and at his pleasure. Does that make any sense to anybody here? Okay. Just want to make sure you guys are out there. The really cool thing about this, the thing that I just think is amazing to me, because, you know, sometimes when we see kings and queens and other lands or whatever, you see everybody bowing, everybody serving, everybody, you know, everybody doing this. But the king that we serve, Jesus, we serve at his pleasure. He just didn't say, I'm great, I'm so great, come and serve me, I'm wonderful, come and serve me. No, no, no. For the Son of Man, listen to the scripture, for even the Son of Man came not to be served, but, but guess what? To serve others and give his life as a ransom for many. Our God put on flesh, Jesus did, to become our sacrifice for our sins. He literally put on a body, a physical body. He was in heaven. He came to earth, put on flesh, came and lived for 33 years on this earth, did the, did the miraculous, but ultimately his whole purpose while he was here on earth was to become what was called the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He became our sacrifice on a cross, died there a bloody death, and it's all because we needed a sacrifice to take away our sins. He did it once and for all, and he served you. You see, for me, it's hard for me to serve someone that just goes, serve me, serve me. You know what I'm saying? Anybody out there with me is like, they just demand it. They're enti- it's not hard for me to serve Christ. Because when I start to remember what Christ did for me, when I start to think about the road that he carried that cross, and he was whipped, and his body was mutilated, all, behalf, all because of me, because of my sin. And he says, I love Tom so much that I'm going to do this for him. I'm going to go to a cross, get my hands and my feet nailed to that cross, die a horrendous death, but I'm going to do it because I love Tom so much. And it doesn't just mean Tom. You put your name in there. I love whoever. I love Molly. I love Cole. I just thought those names right off. Brian. I love them so much that I was willing to go to the cross and die for them. I have no problem serving that kind of a king. None whatsoever. That all of a sudden changes my life for all of eternity. All I have to do is have faith in Jesus Christ. The central theme behind the specific gift that we're talking about today in serving is the idea of doing a practical thing that will help serve others. Talk about practical. I was dead to sin. I had no hope. Jesus came. He died for my sins and gave me hope. Practical. This is where the English word catches us. The word I talk about, 
however, that was a Greek word, I forgot it now, diakonos, whatever it was. I, used to, I took Greek too, and I just, it's just disappearing in my head. This is where the English word deacon is derived. We can see the very first deacons were appointed in Acts chapter 6, and the entire purpose of their appointment was to help free up the disciples so that they could continue to preach the word of God. See, they had this heart of, they chose the deacons because they had a heart of serving. They said, hey, you can serve, you can serve, serve. And all of a sudden, they started taking on some of the responsibility that was weighing down the disciples and said, hey, we need you because Jesus commanded us to go and preach the gospel, go out and share the good news. You were commanded to do so. We need to take some responsibility out. Let us help serve you so that you can continue to preach the gospel. That's the whole idea. That's where the deacon... The word deacon comes through. It's an example of how the body of Christ should function together to accomplish God's purpose. There are some great examples of people who had the gift of serving throughout the Bible. Tabitha and Timothy are two great examples. I want to talk about Tabitha today. And you can read her story in Acts chapter 9. But today I want to just paraphrase the story for the sake of time. But Luke refers to her as a disciple who was given the gift of serving Tabitha was extremely involved in her community by, by serving the less fortunate. She, she made clothes for those who didn't have clothes. She made coats for those who were cold. She was in her community always helping the poor and the less fortunate. One day, Tabitha all of a sudden becomes sick and she dies. They take her, they clean her body, they put her up into a, a room up above on her house and they lay her there at the room. They're preparing her for burial. But then someone heard that Peter was not too far off. And they sent two messengers to go and tell Peter that Tabitha had died. Then Tabitha, if you're reading your word um, right now, you, you'll see that the Greek name for Tabitha is Dorcas. And I just chose to use Tabitha because I think it's just a much better playground name than Dorcas. You know what I'm saying? So we're going to use Tabitha today. And if you're Dorcas here today, I'm sorry. I hope I did not offend you, Okay. So please forgive me right now. Um, but many of the widows were in the room and they're weeping over her. And Peter, they're showing Peter their clothes. Look, this is what Tabitha made me. This is the coat that Tabitha gave me. And it was evidence of the servant heart that Tabitha had. Most likely, Tabitha had some means because it says when she died, they put her in the a room upstairs, and they're getting ready for her burial. We assume that the house that she was in was her own house. If you had an upstairs, that meant that you had some resources. It meant that you had some wealth. And she would use her resources to help those that are less fortunate, especially the widows. Because the widows in those days, when you did not have a husband, you had no income. It wasn't like today. When you have no, when you have no husband, you have no income. And so she was helping the less fortunate. She was helping those people. Many of the widows were weeping for her. All of a sudden, Peter just says, hey, clear the room. Everybody, get out. Everybody, get out. And so everybody leaves the room, and Peter goes over to Tabitha. And it's interesting that the Word of God never shares anything that Tabitha says. Peter just says, get up. And Scripture says that she became alive, and she looked at Peter. Now, can I just be real with you today? Anybody? Here's a woman that's been serving all of her life, making coats, making clothes, doing just... Here's a woman now that is in heaven. She's with Jesus. And all of a sudden, Peter calls her back to earth. 
Wake up, Tabitha. And her eyes open and sees Peter. And I say, what's up, man? What are you doing? What do you think, Peter? I was just with Jesus. What in the world? Here you go again, overstepping your authority, Peter. I was in the arms of Jesus, and you're calling me back to earth? That's just my thoughts. Do you know where I was? I was in a place, no more pain, no more sadness. Peter, are you kidding me? What did you do, man? Haven't I worked hard enough? Haven't I served hard enough? Have I done enough? But I want you to catch this thought. It seems to me that Peter's main motive for raising Tabitha from the dead was for the sake of others. Tabitha was such a huge blessing to her community, and Peter recognized her blessing. And he recognized that community needed her. And of course, the other reason that I know that Peter raised her from the dead was for the glory of God. It says in the scripture, if you look in that uh, Acts chapter 9, verse 42, it says that many came to believe and were saved because of this great miracle that took place. But I was thinking about it. It's just like a servant, because Tabitha was a servant. It's just like a servant willing to die and be resurrected so that some could be saved. Sounds familiar, doesn't it? Here's Tabitha, willing to die, be resurrected and some of her community became saved and that's the heart of a servant it's selfless it's not worried about its own needs but worried about others amen for just a moment we're going to take a little intermission here doesn't mean that you get up and you leave and don't, don't there's no popcorn outside there's no drink so just stay here we're going to take a little intermission because tabitha's resurrection is a demonstration of god's power And if you remember, if you were here last week for Easter, I shared about how we need to put on Christ. Remember that? We need to put on Christ, Christ's death and resurrection. Paul writes in Galatians 3.27, we are united with Christ in baptism. It's like putting on new clothes. It's a demonstration that, you know what, I'm choosing to serve you today, Christ. And there are several that raised your hands last week to be water baptized. And right now, I want you to get up. And I want you to go into the lobby because Pastor Johnny and, and Stephanie are back there waiting for you. And I want you, because we're going to end our service today in water baptism. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you for anybody who's getting ready to be water baptized. We're going to end service today, and it's going to be marvelous. Now, if you're here today and you're thinking, man, Pastor Tom, I wish I'd have known. It's not too late. Get up. Go out in the lobby. We've already bought shorts. We've already bought T-shirts. They're brand new. They're clean. We have fresh towels for you. If you want to be water baptized today, you can make that decision right now. Just go in the lobby. If you have any questions, Pastor Johnny or Stephanie can answer those questions. But we don't want anybody to miss out. The only thing that we ask of you today is that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ, that you have chosen to follow Jesus That you've asked Christ to forgive you of your sins and you're making that. If you made that commitment, then I encourage you, step right outside and we can can water baptize. Thank you. We can water baptize you today. Anybody else that wants to do that, please head on out. That'd be awesome. As they're getting ready and prepared, let me share just a couple other thoughts regarding the gift of serving. You might be asking the question here today, how do I know if I have the gift of serving? 
I believe we are all called to serve, but there are some that actually have the gift of serving. You, may, you have this innate ability to see the needs of others, and, and it produces great joy in you when you serve. You love to help others. You find joy in that. It's your passion. Paul states, if your gift is serving, serve them well. So I want to just, if you, I don't have my pen here today, I wish I did, but I have, there's a pen out there that's called serving. And if you're wondering, do I have that gift? Here are some characteristics of the gift of serving. And we're going to go really quick, so don't, don't worry. All this is going to come really fast because I only have five points. I really do have five points, but they're going to go really fast. Don't check out. Five characteristics. First one is this. You naturally see the needs of others. I've already mentioned this, but you have this innate ability to see the needs of other people. Needs that might be missed by the rest of us. Did you catch that? If you have the gift of serving, you see, you see needs in, in other people, and other people might miss them, but you see it, and you, you want to serve, and you want to help. This is why your gift is so important to the body of Christ. Your part brings encouragement and strength to those who might feel left behind or forgotten. Because you have this gift of serving. It's your love language. And people, and this is what's so cool about it. People recognize that you're not doing it out of duty. If you have the heart of serving, you're, not do, you're just doing it because you want to. You love to. That's, what, that's your heart. The next characteristic of a serving heart is you enjoy helping others succeed. It's not that you enjoy uh, in just completing tasks or projects, but you truly enjoy helping others accomplish their mission or their vision. When you know that you're helping and accomplishing the bigger picture, you find true fulfillment. You don't necessarily want the responsibility of leadership. You don't want that responsibility. But you want to help others accomplish what God has put on their heart. That's the gift of servant. And don't think that's a lower gift. That's the gift that Jesus came to earth with, was the gift of serving. It's a vital part of the body. You see, in our physical body... I would say one of the main things in our physical body that leads us is our heart, right? Our heart pumps blood to the rest of our body. But if you didn't have veins or arteries, there would be no place for that blood to go. And the blood is what brings the body alive. So the heart can pump as much as it wants, but if it doesn't have heart, if it doesn't have veins and arteries to serve the blood where it goes, there's no function. That's how, I'm, that's what, to me, that's how I look at at people who have this gift of serving. They, they carry, they move things forward, they serve. You naturally want to see other people succeed. Another characteristic is this. You can neglect yourself at times. This is a negative one. One of the downfalls of your gift is that you have the tendency to always put others first and you put yourself last. You see, I think, it doesn't say this in Scripture, but it's so interesting where Tabitha all of a sudden sick and she died. She gets sick and she dies. Boom, dump, just like that. And I kind of wondered in my own mind, is one of the reasons that she dies is because she's serving everybody else so faithfully that she just forgets to take care of herself. And she might be ill, she might be sick, but she, is, she has this heart to serve and she serves in such a capacity that she basically wears herself out and she dies. It could be. I don't know that that's the... But it's... It, that would be a servant's heart. And I'm here to declare to you today, serve those who have a serving heart. If you don't have a serving heart, you don't have this right. Only those who have the gift of serving, the body part serving. You got to take care of yourself. You need to learn to say no. 
you need to have boundaries. You can't have always just putting everything else down for it. Yeah, God has given you that gift. But even Jesus Christ himself, he went away into the wilderness and took time to rest and he took time to pray to his heavenly father. He served like crazy, man. He, he was, but he knew when he was becoming physically exhausted and spiritually exhausted, I have to stop here. Disciples, you guys go, get, go ahead and get in the boat. I'll meet up with you later. And he'd get away by himself and he'd pray to his heavenly father. It's just a reminder for all those who have the serving heart. Another correct char- characteristic of the serving heart is you remember the details of others. I hate you guys, okay? You guys remember all those little details. I don't hate. I dislike you. No, I don't dislike. Anyhow, you remember all the details. You remember people's birthdays. You remember what color that they, their favorite color. You go to Starbucks with them, and you remember that they ordered a, you know, a, a white chocolate mocha with chocolate sprinkles with just with soy milk, and, and you remember all the details of others. Why? Because you log that down because you're going to use it at some point in the future to serve that person. See, it's just a natural gift in you. You remember those details. I don't. I'm not, I don't have that. I'm working on it. Jesus, help me be more of a servant. But it's just not naturally in me. I serve, but it's just not my, not my first gift. For some of you, it's your gift. You're, you're phenomenal, and we need you in the body of Christ. The last characteristic that I want to mention today is this. You enjoy being appreciated. Pastor Tom, what are you talking about? It's not that you serve to be appreciated, but catch this. But appreciation confirms that your role is needed and unnecessary. That was really good, wasn't it? Yeah. If you're a servant heart, you'll understand because you, I've, I get this because I've had people, I just, and, and they don't feel appreciated and they wonder why and they feel almost guilty for not fe- Here's the reason why you need that appreciation. Appreciation confirms that your role is needed and necessary. You want what you do to count. You want what you do to count. You don't want to be wasting your time. You don't want to be wasting other times. When you serve, you want to serve and you want to see that you're making a difference in people's lives. So by now you probably are recognizing if, you're, if, that, if that's your body part is serving. Then here's the next question. Where do I go from here? This is my last question, I, pray, I promise. Begin to use your gift. Where do I go from here? Begin to use your gift. Not just within the church. We need people to serve in the church. But begin to use your gift outside the church, in the community, Easter egg hunts, whenever we're serving. You're at your work, at your places. Begin to use your gift to, to demonstrate the glory and the power of God in the lives of others. You see, one of the amazing outcomes resulting from your gift of serving is that you bring encouragement to others. You bring encouragement. How cool is that? You bring encouragement to those who are discouraged. The other thing that your gift does is you inspire others. When you serve, you inspire others to serve. Man, I see someone all of a sudden, they have this heart of serving. They start jumping in. They get ready to start serving. And I just want to follow them because they have this heart of serving. You inspire others to give of themselves. So we need, if you have that gift of serving, that body part serving, you're part of the body. I need you to use that body part. I need you to, I need your part of the body. I need you to use your gift to serve others. Because not only will you encourage others, but you will inspire others to serve. I don't have the button. But as you leave today, 
in the lobby, Pastor Grant and Amanda set up this beautiful area in the center of the lobby. And in the, in, there's a little wood box there. There's all the different gifts listed in there, but there's one in, in the very center in the, or in the very front of it, and it's the gift of serving. And if you believe that you have that gift, today as you leave, I want you to take one of those buttons. And I want it to be a remembrance. Hey, that's my gift. That's why I'm here. That's why God created me. He wants me to be a part of the body where I can serve one another. And I tell you right now, serve with all of your capacity. And bless, when you bless others, you're blessing God. Amen. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your goodness and your love. We thank you for all that you have done. We thank you, God, that you have set us free from our sins. And God, that you modeled, you modeled, you were the model of servanthood. You came from heaven to earth. You died on the cross. And God, we have been set free and we are free from our sins. And we are so grateful today for all that you have done. We don't take it lightly, Lord. We thank you that we serve a king who led the way. You modeled it for us. If you're here today, head bowed, eyes closed for just a moment. If you're here today, and that's your gift, is serving, I want you to raise your hand real high. If your gift is serving, you know that's who you are. Ah, come on, we got lots of servers in this place. Raise your hand real high because I want to say a prayer over you. Come on. Lord Jesus, I thank you for every server that is here today. And I pray, God, today, you will use them in even greater ways than they could ever have imagined before. And God, I pray that that talent of serving will multiply and it will inspire others to serve, Lord God. I thank you for their gift. And God, I pray that you use it in even a greater way than ever before. In Jesus' name. And everyone said...